going to read just a few uh, verses from Isaiah, if you want to turn your Bibles to Isaiah uh, chapter 40. And I'm just going to select some verses from that. So it's Isaiah chapter 40. Um, can I just say, sorry that it's so warm in here. I, I actually adjusted the heating during the week to come on a little bit earlier. Um, so ladies, if you think it's you, it's not. It is actually warm in here. Um, the problem is we don't have a thermostat to control our heating. So when it gets hot, it just gets hot and keeps getting hotter. So apologies for that. So let's read from verse 1, Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to read uh, the first three verses. We're going to jump about a wee bit and just read selected uh, verses. It says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Uh, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. Uh, on to, to verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Says the t uh, say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his re recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. And then on a few verses again to uh, verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits above, enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings peace to naught. Uh, sorry, brings princes to naught, and he reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all this? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each one of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen. What an incredible verse. What an incredible word that came to the people of Israel all those years ago, and it comes to us today. I believe it's a fresh word for us today. I'm going to move this stand so I can see you bit. There we go. I like to be able to see you. You're in my peripheral vision when I'm not looking at you now. <laughs> but let's just kind of, let's do a wee 
let's do a wee reverse from where we ended off last week. We, we talked about why we do what we do, and we thought about the church, and this has gone all the way back to somewhere in the message last week, remember Tim Hawkins, to this point here, where we talked about the body. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. We are it. We are the representation of God on earth today. And the body, if it's healthy, needs to be growing. Okay? When that first photograph was taken, Josh was this height, okay? When the second photograph was taken during the summer, he's taller than I am. A healthy body grows. And also, one of the other things that struck me as I was thinking about this, what's so funny? <laughs> Sorry, I don't get the joke. <laughs> if you hear a wee noise in five minutes' time, that'll be the penny dropping, okay? But a healthy body is all about relating as well. For us to be healthy as people, we relate to one another. Sharon, I meant to say, it's lovely to see you back in church. Fantastic you're here. I'm just so super pleased about that. Brilliant. And we keep praying, we keep praying health over you, Sharon. Uh, a healthy body. <laughs> we as a church need to know how to relate to one another, relate to God, our Father, that's the father in that picture, by the way. That guy who's standing like a bouncer, looking really handsome. Okay. Don't laugh like that, Liz. A healthy body needs to relate to others. We as, as healthy people need to know how to relate to others. And what for me is really important is the father-son relationship. We are the body of Christ. We need to relate to the father. We need to have the Holy Spirit in us, moving in us and through us. And I wanted to think just for a little second about the importance of numbers. Are numbers important? Yes, they are. Did God design numbers? Yes, He did. Is God the great mathematician? Yes, He is. You know, all these mathematicians that we have, I just kind of, I'm in awe of anybody that is a mathematician because I just don't understand it. And yet, I think God is the person who created maths. Sorry, guys, it was His fault <laughs> for those who don't like doing maths at school. But the importance of numbers. Now, you might not think numbers are important, but when, like me, you go for your annual checkup, as I did last week, um, I get my blood pressure measured, my heart rate, my saturation, my weight, my cholesterol. Numbers are important. They're all numbers, and every one of those numbers has a meaning. Those who are nurses in the, the congregation will know more about it than I do. We have four people in our family. Had things went a different way, we could have had five people in our family. Numbers are important. The percentage you get for your test, particularly when you need the marks to go into the next stage, numbers are important. When you come to pay your mortgage, your gas, your electricity, your food, your council tax, numbers are pretty important, aren't they? And numbers matter in church life as well. Some people kind of shy away from numbers and they say, oh, it's not all about numbers. Actually, it is about numbers. Because numbers are people. People are not numbers. You're not known in this church as a number. You're not number 65. Jesmond, you're not number 65. You're Jesmond. And I can never really know how to pronounce your second name properly. 
But Jesmond, you're not a number. You're a person. You're a person who matters. And every single person who calls this place home matters. Everybody has a, par- a purpose and a function in this house. And I just wanted to just draw our attention back to this picture again of all the things that happen as part of the life of this church. Each one of these things, in one sense, represents a number, numbers of people, times that we start, how much it costs to run. All of these things are important. Numbers are people. People are not numbers. And then we thought as well last week about our mission statement to be Christ-centered and community-focused, which really means that we're reaching people with the gospel, that we're winning people for Jesus, that we're growing disciples. Click. And lastly, that we're serving people in Jesus' name. That's what we, as a growing body, need to be growing up into. To simplify it, reaching, winning, growing, serving. That's what we're about. And we need to live in a building to meet, whether it's one that we rent. We are fortunate enough to own our own building. Here it is. This was jumped for, excuse me, jumped for a day. Um, and uh, just an unusual photograph of the church. I really liked it. I thought it was great. But all of the things that we do, or most of the things that we looked at there, are housed in here, other than the food bank and Answer Project, which is next door. Food bank is based in Livingston, but we have our distribution center here in the church building. And then there's our church population. I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of look at the stats, because when I look around here, I see a lot of empty seats. But the reality is that was were everybody to be here at the same time, we wouldn't actually have enough seats. There are 78 members, 42 people who are not technically members of the church, but this is where you call home. There are 25 young people, not all of them come on a Sunday morning. There are 28 children, they don't all come all the time. There are 51 kids enlisted in Treasure Kids at the moment. I just think it's incredible, and the majority of them, probably about 90% of them, come from outside our community. And then 25 uh, treasure tots on the roll as well at the moment. This is the body that God has called us to be part of. This is the work that God has called us to be part of. And you are not a number. You are a person who matters. Everybody who calls this church home, this is what's really important. Out of those adults... 52% of the adult population of our church is serving in some way. 52%. And here's another statistic. Numbers are important. Two-thirds. Two-thirds of those are the women in the church. Interesting statistic, eh? And then, just for a little moment, to think about our church finances, this is where we were at the end of September. Um, You can see that the the blue one is our gifted income. Uh, which, which comes in regularly. Then the green one is general income, and then the yellow one is other income. And this is the other side of it. This is the bit we need to try and keep on top of as well, is expenditure. And the reality is that without gift aid, our expenditure exceeds our income this year. Without gift aid, our expenditure exceeds our income. We need to reverse that. We need to get to a different place. But let's think about a healthy body in terms of the spiritual life. You know, the Bible tells us to go to the ant. Okay, I had to, because I thought that's a bit heavy. Go to the ant 
and consider her ways and be wise. We're exhorted to look at nature, to contemplate what's happening, and to be wise. But rather than look at the ant today, I'm going to look at the eagle. This is an African fish eagle. If you want to see this African fish eagle, go to Blair Drum and Safari Park. And I don't know about you, but I look at that and I think, this is an imposing bird. I would not like to be on the wrong side of its talons or its beak. An imposing bird. But think back to the word that came through last week. It came through in a picture which I had, which was closely followed by a picture which Steve had with the same picture of this imposing bird. But the bird is actually tethered. The bird is not able to do what it is designed to do, and that is to be up in the air and to be flying and to be hunting. The bird, when it's tethered, is not able to fulfill its purpose in life, its God-given purpose. And just to go back to that word from last week, we need to identify the thing in our life that is holding us back, that's tethering us down, that's stopping us from soaring and being the person that God wants us to be. We each have a purpose and a way to play our part. I want to look just for a little minute because it says consider the ant. We're going to consider the eagle. And you're going to sit back. If you're not into nature programs, then I'm sorry in advance. I like nature programs, but there's nothing to beat seeing it in real life. This is a nature program that lasts, or it's a wee clip about three minutes, about the eagle in flight. So let's watch uh, the eagle in flight.
I just think that's, I could watch that all day. It's just amazing. Doing what it's supposed to do. Did you notice the difference between the young eagle and the parent? The young one's kind of flapping about. It's getting caught by the wind. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. And yet the, the mother eagle is just there, gracefully, hardly moving, hardly using any energy, and just sitting in the wind. And you know, I think it's like that when we begin to, to kind of rise up in our faith, when we begin to believe God for things, as you were talking about this morning, Robert, I really feel that that was so apt this morning. When we begin to rise up in our faith, we get those little knocks and we, we kind of think, whoa, maybe I should just go and land in the branch again and be safe. And yet we look to others who are more experienced than us. I, I, I do this all the time and I want to learn from them and we can learn from each other. The eagle in flight, doing what it's supposed to do. And there's a second video, it's the eagle or the eagle's fight, okay? Can I just give you a spoiler alert? No animals are harmed during the showing of this clip, okay? So there's no baby birds falling off the cliffs and nothing like that for those of you who were here when I did that message, okay? Let's watch this second video about the eagle's fight. Fight for survival sometimes. Eagles spend hours in tremendous scanning hillsides. With eyes up to eight times sharper than ours, they can pick up the slightest movement. This is to call back to your second strategy, which is to hide. Again, the eagle fixes on its prey. You wouldn't want to mess with that, would you? An eagle grounded is no longer a threat, eh? It can't change its course at the last minute for fear of injury because if it injures itself, then it can't feed, it can't fly, it can't look after its young, and so it sticks to its course. And I just, I just felt God say that it was so like us at times that we can become like that, we can become the eagle that's grounded. We can become, because of circumstances, because of life, we can become like that eagle who has just come down to rest and we're, we're, the, the fights went out of us. You know, an eagle grounded is no longer a threat. Think about us. The Bible tells us in that passage we read to rise up on wings like eagles. We're supposed to be those who can soar in God. Are you a threat to the enemy today? I know for one thing that our senior leadership team has been a threat to the enemy because they've been under spiritual attack for quite some time now and need our prayers and other people have been under spiritual attack. And we need to pray. The Bible encourages us to pray for our leaders, doesn't it? There's another picture. I took this when I was up uh, 
near Aviemore. It's a place called Delech near Kiergorm. Near Kiergorm, sorry. Sorry, I can't speak. <laughs> There's no glass of water for me here. And uh, could do me a drink. So maybe somebody could grab me a glass of water. That'd be really helpful. This is a picture of a, a sea eagle, white-tailed sea eagle, uh, up in the, the mountains up there. And it's been mobbed by a, a rook, I think. Uh, sorry, a raven, I think. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched this. Birds of prey, when they start to swoop in, the little birds will come up and they'll mob it, they'll swoop down in it. And their purpose is to get that bird down on it in the ground and to get that bird landed so that it's no longer a threat. You know, if you've never seen this happen, watch for it. It's just fascinating. And the enemy's purpose is to ground us as Christians, is to have our faith drift and drift and drift that the tank becomes empty. And then when a situation comes, we don't have enough faith to have the resource to overcome in that situation. And I really feel that God wants to say today that He wants to encourage our faith. He wants to breathe faith back into us once again today. How do we begin to soar in our faith? That's one of the things we want to consider as we just share one or two more thoughts from the Scripture. I'm going to go back to this verse that we read. It says, Let, uh, lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one. God who created everything, He is the one. And it says, and he calls them each by name because of his great power and might, uh, sorry, mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Everything is controlled by God. Why do you then say, O Jacob, or complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Have you ever been in that place where you're praying and you feel that your way is hidden from God? You feel that God is disregarding your prayer? Has anybody ever been in that place? Yeah? I'm good. I'm glad I'm in, in good company then, because I thought it was just me. Thank you, Martin. Oh. That'll stop those uh, problems happening, hopefully. Um, where am I in my notes? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we can, we, we can make this complaint to God that, as if God doesn't hear us, and we're actually praying that God hears us, and we know that He hears us, so why are we praying that you're not hearing us and you're not listening to us? Because God is listening to us all the time. It goes on to say, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. The Bible says that God is our refuge and strength. God never tires. He never grows weary. His head never goes down, unlike ours, because we do. And this is what he says. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. We need to take encouragement from that today. If we are weary, then God will strengthen us. If we are weak, then God will give us the power. And I love this verse. I thought about it differently 30 years ago. And young men stumble and fall, fully now. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. So then I can say, wow, it's not just me. Even the young people run out of energy sometimes. 
In fact, sometimes I think I've got more energy than some of you guys. But that's another story. Everybody grows tired. Everybody grows weary. Even the youths. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. But this is what the Bible says. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. To hope means to wait patiently for, to look for, to await, to be in expectation of who God is and what God wants to do. You know, the word that's used there, the Hebrew word can be translated in three different ways. One of them is to twist together as you would put a rope together. I don't know if you remember uh, a picture of a rope and it's twisted together, lots of little fibers, and as they're twisted together, they create a strength. The second one is to be strong or robust. The third way that this word is used is to expect or to await, perhaps from enduring or remaining, which is similar to this notion of strength. It's not just waiting in a passive way, thinking, will God, will God not? It's actually waiting in a way where we know that God is going to come and God is going to do what He says He will do. Waiting requires strength. Waiting in hope requires strength, a strength of character that's developed in us. Where are we at this morning in our character development? You might say, I don't like what's happening just now. You might say that, but it might be that in the circumstance in which you find yourself, God is at this point in time developing character within you that will strengthen you for the next step. And as you go on in the Lord, you realize as you look back that God has been shaping you. The key is in the way that we wait. Do we wait with expectation? Do we wait with hope? Because we shall be renewed. If we wait with expectancy and hope, the Bible says that our strength will be renewed. Do we believe the Word of God or do we not? If we believe the Word of God, then we know that if we wait, if we hope in the Lord, then He will come and strengthen us. The Bible says here that they will soar, mount up, ascend on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Why am I saying this? Do you remember what the, the passage starts off with? Comfort my people. Comfort my people. Comfort my people. I don't know about you, I need to be comforted sometimes. Quite often, I feel I need to be comforted. We will learn to soar as wings, as, as eagles who mount up on those incredible wings. To soar means to mount up, to rise up, and to be above the circumstances that we find ourselves in. How do we do that? We begin to soar when we begin to get in to the Word of God, when we begin to when we start to get into our devotions and our time with God, reading the Word of God, taking it in for ourselves, listening to what God wants to say to us, putting it into practice and praying to God and just spending that time, as we thought about in the slide earlier, relating to the Father. It's as we relate to the Father that God begins to strengthen us on the inside so that it begins to work out and affect the outside. The word run there has this connotation of speed attached to it. When you look at the original language, it has speed attached. It's a concept that the, the, the writer is trying to get across here, that they will run 
they will run. There's speed attached to it. Do you ever think, kind of like, like me maybe, my faith is kind of like going really slow. I'm never growing. I'm never getting there. I'm still struggling with this. I'm still struggling with that. The Bible says that if we put these things into practice, we'll begin to run. There'll be a speed attached to our life. Talks about people who are weary. Talk to being, about being exhausted. That's what it's really meaning, about being exhausted, weary with toil. I don't know about you, but I can identify with what it means to be weary with toil, weary with life's circumstances. Sometimes we get to the point where we're so weary that we want to give up. We just want to sit down and give up. That's the time where we need to wait on the Lord, where we need to hope in the Lord, where we need to have expectation in our hearts. It says that they will walk and not be faint. Again, going back into the original language, that whole connotation of walking means actually not just walking on your own, but actually having the ability to carry something. You're not just walking and going for a walk in the park, okay? You're actually able to carry something, walking with strength. It says that they will not faint, which means to be weary or fatigued. Some of you are looking a bit weary this morning. Come on, guys. <laughs> the eagle grounded isn't a threat. And I, th I just want to pause for a few moments in the message today to think about one of the things that grounds us, that can stop us. And we've experienced more than our fair share of it, I think. The reality is that everybody has a finite amount of time in the planet. People are born, people die. And since 2014, 12 of the members of our church have passed away. 12 of the members of our church have went on to be at home with the Lord. 12 people since 2014. That's a lot of people. These people aren't numbers. These people are people that we knew, that we related to, that we loved, that we spent time with. And since 2014, I actually went through this, not because of numbers, but because I love the people in this church. I went through thinking about the people in this church. And since 2014, 54 people in this church have been affected by grief and loss, <coughs> been affected by bereavement. When you think about the size of this church, that's a lot of people in a short space of time. And what does God want to say today? He wants to say, comfort, comfort my people. He wants you to be comforted. He wants you to know that through all of this, that he's been with you, that he's been standing alongside you, and that the people that we love, we know that we'll see them again. We don't grieve as the people of the world grieve because we have a hope. We have a hope in this life that we will see God in this life. We're not waiting until we go to heaven to meet God. We meet God now. We have a living and active hope today, but we also know that we have an eternal future. We also know that those who have went on before us, who we have loved, we will see them again. And that's just powerful. Powerful. And we 
can't ignore the impact that this has on a church of our size. It's a massive impact over a number of years. Some people are at the stage where they're coming out the other side of all of that, or, or already out the other side of that since 2014. Some people are kind of in the middle of that just now, and some people are actually just going into that process of grieving. And Mary and I, we try, along with others in the church, to stand alongside people who are in this place and to be a comfort and to be God in that situation in a manner of speaking. Don't hear, hear what I'm saying there. We are the body of Christ. We are Jesus Christ. We, when people see the us, when they see the church, they should see Jesus. Therefore, when we stand alongside each other, when we comfort each other, we are being Jesus to that person. We don't do it in our own strength. We do it through the Holy Spirit who comes in and works through us. One last passage, and I'm going to fire through this. This is what Jesus said when he stood in the temple. He stood up and he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Listen to this, to comfort all who mourn. Comfort ye my people and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. As I was preparing this week, that phrase just would not leave me, to provide for those who grieve in Zion. That's us. We are Zion, the new Jerusalem. That God wants to provide for you in that situation that you find yourself Regardless of where you're at in a, a grieving process, or there might be other things in life, there might be other struggles, relational, financial, emotional, psychological, God wants to comfort you in that situation. God wants to provide for you in that situation. What does He want to provide? He wants to provide strength. He wants to provide peace. He wants to provide comfort. He wants to provide the finances that you're looking for. He wants to provide closeness and intimacy. He wants you to be part of the family. We went to a conference years and years ago. Derek was there. John was there called Works, Words, Works, and Wonders. And you might remember, I came across Psalm 68, verse 6, and I read it out. And I, was, I just read that God sets the lonely in families. And just something came alive in me at that point in time. I'm like, that's the solution. God puts the lonely in families. Those families are called churches. And those families are broken down into other little families called connect groups. And if you want to feel part of the family, get into a connect group. Because that's where we experience that intimacy, that relational stuff that goes on. And we experience it in other ways. But that part is so important to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. God sees when your head is hanging down, weary, heavy in heart, and sad. God sees it, and God cares, and God is interested in your situation. And it's God who will come along, and God who will lift your head. Have you ever seen that happen? I've seen it in movies where somebody's kind of like down, and somebody comes along and just kind of like, I need an illustration, Josh. I can't illustrate this, this on my own, right? Right? 
You can, be, you can be the person whose head's down and you're all sad, and the person puts their hand under their chin, and they go like that. Connection. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Connection. <laughs> Just as well that wasn't any harder. <laughs> He's saving that for when we go home, and he throws an earth gun and starts a war. Anyway, that's another story. God wants to come along and lift our heads, our weary heads, our heads that are down, put his hand under our chin and lift our heads up so that we begin to see who he is. What does the Bible say? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He wants to come along and he wants to put his hand under your chin. For some of us, that's two, but that's another story. Cheeky boy. But he wants to look us in the eye and he wants us to know that he's our father, that he comforts us and that he's with us in every situation. God wants to remove the ashes and place on your head a crown of beauty. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. He wants to pour that oil into your life today. Just that, that, that picture I had, and I wasn't necessarily thinking about that uh, when I was preparing this, but it came as we were praying this morning, this just this joy overflowing, okay? Hands up if you're old enough to remember what cremola foam actually is, okay? For those of you who are not, Google it, okay? Um, it's like a wee powder that you put in a cup, you add water, and it's this really frothy, fizzy, tasty, unhealthy drink, okay? <laughs> but I love it. I've not had cremola foam for years. Somebody try and find cremola foam, eh? But it's, it, it's like the joy that's inside us. He wants that joy to be overflowing in our lives. God understands that there are times when we grieve. He understands that there are times when we mourn. But in the circumstances, we can find God and we can find a joy that overflows in our life regardless of the circumstances. This keeps happening in the messages of late. Can I just remind you to switch off mobile phones before you start? He wants to put on you the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And this is a, I really think this is a fundamental thing in the life of the church. I think our band and our singers and technicians have been under a little bit of attack from the enemy, little foxes that spoil the vine. Why? Because God wants us to be in a place where we exalt the name of Jesus, where we lift up God in our praise so that people see that despite our circumstances, this is our God, and He is worthy of our praise regardless of what's happening in life. He is always worthy. He is always worthy of our praise, and He wants to put on His people a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Think about that. And when we begin to put that garment on, when we come in here in the morning, hopefully we're coming prepared with the garment on already, not coming in and going, where was it? I'm sure I put it in my bag here. Hang on a wee second, I'm just getting my garment of praise out. Okay, we're into the fourth song. I've got my praise on. I'm giving it, yeah, yeah, yeah. For those who remember the video last week, goalpost, heartburn. Right? Do you remember the video? <laughs> goalpost, double heartburn, back to goalposts. Okay. If you weren't here last week, you missed out. It was a great video. But we're coming into the house of God with the garment of praise already on, and we're ready to praise 
him because he's worthy of our praise. The songs that we sing aren't just songs. They're worship to this incredible God who created the heavens and the earth. We go out at night, we look up and we see the vastness of space and we realize how tiny we are and we realize that God created that and God created us to live in that. Phenomenal. He's worthy of our praise. How does this verse finish off? Does anybody know? Here's how it finishes off. They will be called oaks of righteousness. I get emotional when I'm even saying this. A planting of the Lord. Why? So that we can look great and people go, oh, that Pentecostal church is brilliant. They're the bees knees. You should go there. Why? No, not because of that. Because we're here for the display of His splendor. Because He is worthy. Because He is the one who has saved us. He is the one who has filled us with His Spirit. He is the one who walks through us in the difficulties when we're grieving, when we mourn, when our heads are down. He is the one who comes and lifts our head and looks us in the eye and says, you are my child. You are not a number. You matter. You are part of the family of God. It's for the display of His splendor. Not so that we can look good. We want to do the best we can. We want to fulfill God's purpose. We want to see the church grow. We want to see the body of Christ grow. But it's for His glory. And I really want to finish off with an encouragement that God will fulfill His purpose for this church. He's not finished yet. And can I encourage you to hold on? Hold on just a little second longer in your circumstance, in the life of the church, whatever that means, that breakthrough is coming, that there's a season change. And I want to prophesy today that that season change has begun. Don't know if you remember that message. I was looking out at the trees when God was speaking about seasons, and I realized that the trees had begun changing. They'd begun changing. Is my grammar right, Robert? You, you, second time, I knew the first time wasn't right, but I couldn't quite compute what it was. There'd already been this process of change which had started. Okay. okay. Robert keeps me right with my grammar, okay? The change had started, and I looked out at those trees, and it encouraged me because it helped me to see that what God was saying is the change has started the change has started. It's a new season. It's a new time in the life of this church. And I finish with Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. That moment where our head goes down, and you think, I can't take any more of this. Let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I don't know about you, I needed to hear this message today. And I'm so blessed that God chose to share this message today with us. That He has a plan and a purpose for you. That you're special. That you're not a number. You're a person who matters. You're a person who's part of the family. And you have a role to play in this church. Let's stand as we pray. If you're able to stand, we're going to pray. Musicians are going to come back up. And let's stand and pray and his presence today. Father, we thank you that you are here. 
Father, we thank you that you see us. You're the God who sees. El Rui, the God who sees. Father, that you see every aspect of our lives. You're the one who uh, is there, even in the moments where we don't think you're there. Father, it's just like that, that picture of, of the, the footprints in the sand, and the person turns around to you and says, why did you leave me in my difficult time? And that's when you come and you say to the person, I never left you. I was the one who was carrying you. Those were my footprints in the sand you saw. Father, that you don't leave us. You never forsake us. That you have a heart for this people here. You have a heart for this congregation. You have a plan for this congregation. Father, you are taking us into a new season. And Father, that season has already begun. It's begun in our hearts. It's begun as you have, be as you have started to show us things. Father, as you have begun to release things into our, our spirits, as you're releasing things even now, even today, there is a release of things in our spirits today where we begin to see, actually, that there's a plan and a purpose for this fellowship here, that it'll be called Oaks of Righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Oaks endure. Oaks are firm. Oaks can withstand the storms. They might get a bit battered or bruised, bruised, but they're able to withstand the storms. And did you know that it's not the old oak trees that bear the fruit? It's not, sorry, the young oak trees that bear the fruit, it's the old ones, the ones who've been around for a while. They go for years and years and years, and there's never any fruit in their lives. But there comes a season where that fruit begins to show. And I really feel this is the word of the Lord to us, that we're coming to a season where that fruit will show. Father, that the oaks of righteousness will begin to be fruitful oaks. And so, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for every person who's part of this church, those who are not with us today. And Lord, we think of Heather, who's out of hospital this weekend, but... Uh, maybe back in again on Monday, Lord, we don't know. Lord, we just pray, release health, healing, and wholeness into our body, Father. Lord, there, may there be a release of your power into that situation. Father, may we see your hand at work in that situation. Lord, we thank you for Sharon, who's come safely through an operation, but Lord, we just pray healing and wholeness over Sharon, over her body. Lord, for everyone in this place who needs a touch in their bodies from you, Father, we pray that you'd release that touch. Father, for those who need a touch in their minds from you, Father, we pray, release that touch. Father, may we see your power at work. Father, may our faith not rest on wise words or persuasive arguments, but may our faith rest on a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Father, we pray that you would revive your church. Revive this church. Revive your church across West Lothian, across Scotland. And Father, may the fires that you have prophesied through your servants, may they begin to rise up and may your kingdom come. May your will be done. Father, we pray that we would see people coming to know Jesus in droves. Father, we pray for this uh, Franklin Graham outreach next year. Lord, we pray that even now you would begin to sow the seeds of salvation Father, through our prayers and through the words that we share, Lord, we pray, help us not to wait till then, though, because Jesus said that the fields are white unto harvest.
today today the fields are white and so father we pray that you'd send out laborers into that field father everybody here has a part to play a purpose a reason for being on the planet lord help us to fulfill your purpose for our lives and lord as we praise you at the close of this service as we give tithes and offerings father we pray that you would accept our praise accept our giving father that you bless our giving and father that you cause the purposes of this church to prosper in jesus name we ask amen